0: a lot of the times we have a support line right in the company yeah. and uh it's funny how obsessed kids are with poop <laughs> <laughs>
1: what
2: welcome to the red pill generation podcast my name is Ash, and I am your co-host, and joining me today is the uh, the chocolate man of my dreams, Cafe Mocha.
1: Just dissenting, just shaking my head, <laughs> this radio voice. And I'm trying to keep it cool, I'm trying to keep it calm, collected, hey, you man. want to do this whole radio thing, man. You know, What's wrong I'm, with you?
2: I'm speaking to a segment for our audience directly. <laughs> This this is for all those awkward white people out there. I get you, man. I can't dance either. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, this is part two of our amazing interview with uh, Ru Han, the the amazing uh, entrepreneur who started up uh, Smart Teacher. And, yeah, so listen to part one before this, but... uh, yeah. Did you want to?
1: Or if you're crazy, you can listen to part two first. Like, you know, yeah, you know, go crazy, it's red pill, do whatever you want to. Yeah, you know, red pill generation. No rules. Twitter.
2: <laughs> Follow us. Red pill generation, one. or was it red pill gen? At red pill gen. At red pill gen.
1: Always have to plug. Yeah. All right. So I guess we left off in the last uh, podcast episode. You just finished talking about hiring and and, and selecting and employees. Yep. Uh, what well, did I to, well, I had a question. Oh, you had I? a question? Yeah. All right,
2: cool. All right. So, yeah, this is going to probably be a couple little questions, but uh, maybe you can tell me about uh, productivity. How do you keep yourself productive?
1: Ah. Ooh, this is a really hard one. So, initially. Wait, 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 wait. Don't try to finish talking about the business thing, and then we can go into more personal.
2: Well, it's productive with this business, okay. I think. Because like, you're spending most of your time on your business, yeah, right? Yeah, for sure yeah okay, cool. yeah, so how do you keep yourself productive and moving the business forward?
0: Okay, so this is a really hard one, because um, initially, we were not productive at all. like you you know like when you're starting your own business and you don't have anyone to report to, you just do whatever you think is right, right And initially, that involves sitting in front of your Gmail the entire day and just responding to whatever emails come in, and that's uh, it's a kind of silly approach. Because you don't, you don't actually make any progress. You're just responding to random emails. Um, the way that the system that I've found is kind of something in the four-hour work week where I make a to-do list every day in the morning. Shout out to Tim Ferriss. Shout out to Tim Ferriss. And uh, I look at the top three, two or three things that I want to do and some other things that I want to do that I really, really need to get accomplished that day um, in order to be kind of successful or productive. And basically, I don't look at my emails um, until certain times in the day. So usually in the morning, the afternoon, the evening. Um, it's, it's usually more often than that because we work a lot with emails. Um, but basically, I make sure I get those things done. I also have a not-to-do list, which involves like, uh, don't check emails all the time. <laughs> um, don't spend time on kind of meaningless research because a lot of what you can do in a, in a startup is try to research various things research your competitors research like other products that are out there research process improvements that you can have and you just waste a whole bunch of time researching things on the internet basically you're browsing the internet but you're not actually getting anything done so mm-hmm. there's uh there's kind of a system now to keep myself from doing that where you're actually making uh, you're actually taking action and getting things done so
2: you mm. mentioned you had another one. Well, that, uh, that system you're talking about, that's the, uh, the to do list and not to do list. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. All right.
1: So we're enough of that. You mentioned competitors. Who are your competitors? I know uh, who were your competitors really? Cause at this stage, you're the fastest growing, uh, online education product in, on, in Canada, right?
0: So yeah, we're like the fastest growing educational game in Canada right now. Um, uh, our competitors here, and they're the same in the States and kind of worldwide as well to some extent, are um, a company called Dreambox, company called IXL, Mathletics. There's just a whole bunch of companies that are trying to make math games, Yeah, right? And a lot of them have, uh, they have slightly varied products, but they're similar in my opinion to a large extent. And um, a lot of them have a business model where they'd go into schools, engage with schools, and then kind of try to upsell them on their product. Um, what I thought we could do better is, A, make a game which is actually fun for kids. Since they focus on selling teachers and principals, their product is geared towards teachers and principals and mm-hmm. superintendents and whatever. So, basically... What does that mean, just making their jobs easier? That, uh, that means, you know, they try to build features in their product which engage teachers, make them happy. Like um, So, for example some dreambox has lessons which have multiple ways of teaching a certain concept so for addition they might have certain manipulatives like blocks incorporated in it we have a lot of these now as well um they might have a few other methods of grouping um various groups to come up with the sum for example um so they have a lot of those methodologies which while in theory are really good they do absolutely nothing to engage the individual child. Like for a child to group three blocks of five and know that three times um, five equals fifteen, I mean mm-hmm. that's that's great. Um, but to do it so many times and repetitively and through different methodologies, maybe it builds that base understanding, but. If it's boring for a child, the child's just not going to do it, yeah. right? So a mm-hmm. lot of the things that we figured out is we've placed our focus on the individual kid and the individual teacher as opposed to principals and administrators and stuff like that. Mm-hmm.
1: So going off of uh, what makes your product different from the others from the competitors yeah. is that it, it's so it's emotionally calibrated, right? That's one, one, of, the, the one of the things that we're doing later
0: on. That's not our current advantage. Right. Our current product is is an emotional, or sorry, is an educational game. Which responds to how a child is doing in the game. It doesn't yeah. respond to their emotions as yet.
1: Um, the emotional feedback is something that we're researching and working on right now. But I guess in terms of how they're doing, so when it's it's when the child is like answering the questions really easily and quickly, and and, and yeah. then you amp up the you make it a little bit more difficult for them. Right? Is that how it works? Exactly. So
0: we have a whole curriculum tree in the background, which means that we map prerequisites and post prerequisites and. Yeah. It's a pretty advanced system of moving kids up and down through the curriculum, Mm -hmm. and basically we make sure that the questions that they're getting are at the right level for them, so that they're not too hard, they're not too easy, they're just at the right level, and they have all of the prereqs to to be able to answer this question. That's
1: great. And uh, one of the things I have really found interesting about the technology that you want to develop moving forward is the biosensors, right, based Mm -hmm. off of light detector technology. Can you talk about that?
0: exactly so what we're (laughs) doing is we're developing a biosensor you can think of it like a. it's essentially the same profile as a watch Um, Mm -hmm. a lot of people have been exposed to things like the jawbone up or fitbit flex or things like that Mm -hmm. it'd be similar to that except this would actually measure your emotions so it would tell us if kids are frustrated or bored or engaged and let's say you were you were kind of encountered or you encountered a math question in our game and you got really frustrated, and uh, you couldn't answer this question, it was very difficult for you, Um, we would be able to tell that you were frustrated through this biosensor even before you put in the answer to the question. So just like a human being, like if you were tutoring a child and you are working with them, you could see them physically getting frustrated, we would be able to sense that with our biosensor, and then we would be able to tone down the difficulty of questions. Mm. Especially if we're working with kids with things like autism or um adhd where you know they're very emotionally sensitive um i think this technology has a lot of potential Yes.
1: Yeah. so what are the difficulties i mean obviously the light tech- technology exists but this is something based off of that it's something that doesn't really exist and you have to build it from scratch right what are yeah. the difficulties what are the steps that you had to take to to create something like that, a product like that? There are a
0: ton of challenges, and it's uh, it's, it's one of the primary reasons why we haven't launched it as yet, is there have been um, a lot of things which we didn't anticipate so far, so it's like a ton of technology challenges where we're trying to build this hardware product for the first time. Yeah. Um, so far, we've been a software company, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, there's a lot of things like manufacturing, supply chain, mm-hmm. making sure all your electronics are in place, so you have defect rate and all of your your stuff that you produce. Um, so managing all of that, but also just like figuring out how kids are feeling. It's not as easy as we initially thought. Mm-hmm. Um, we have lie detector and technology. There's been things in a clinical setting which tell you how kids are feeling or how people are feeling through mm-hmm. either the wristband, which we're developing, like the biosensor, or through facial recognition through like a webcam. But the thing with a lot of those is it's proven in a clinical setting, but it, uh, a lot of those methodologies don't work in the field. So, like, if a kid is in front of a computer, let's playing, let's say, playing our educational game, um, they may be doing. They their attention may be on something else, mm-hmm. right? So they may have a friend beside them who is like agitating them to some extent, or like whispering in their ear or something, and they're <laughs> laughing. <you know>? Um, <laughs> And maybe that's what's affecting their emotion. Maybe it's not our game. So
1: Or Scooby-Doo's being chased in the background and they're terrified that Scooby's going to get caught. Exactly. <laughs> or they're, they're eating a Scooby snack or Scooby something snack. like that. Scooby snack. Scooby snack.
0: And, uh, yeah, so there's, there's a ton of, like, environmental factors which affect this. Like, if the temperature in the room is different, if they're outside versus inside, right humidity there's so many factors that affect the data you're getting in a non-clinical setting where all the uh, kind of environmental factors aren't controlled yeah that it's it's difficult to ascertain how the kids are feeling so it's something we're in the process of doing um we're working through a lot of these challenges but it's still something kind of down the road we haven't launched this as yet we're in the process of testing it out and seeing how it works and and in parallel we're working on patenting a lot of the systems that we use to To respond to emotions.
2: Well, just going off of that, uh, you're already selling your software to a lot of different schools and uh, parents, basically, without this uh, technological innovation. Have you ever thought of just ditching that idea and moving forward with uh, more work on the software and more money towards that? It's a possibility.
0: Um, If we were just purely a software company, I think we could survive and do very well. If we had this emotional feedback as well, I think it would give us a huge leg up and a big advantage over other, like a huge competitive advantage, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the profitability and marketability of that technology, I'm not sure as yet. Yeah. Um, we'll have to see, but it's like an, like any kind of entrepreneurial venture, you have to keep innovating, right? And you have to manage your risk well. So um, if this worked out, Fantastic, just on the software side of things. If the hardware worked out, that's fantastic. If we had a combination of both of them, that would be even better. So yeah. we're always mm-hmm. striving to kind of improve our processes and,
1: and I mean, um, what we're doing. Potentially with the hardware, if that was successfully developed, that not existing anywhere else, there would be other companies, not just in the educational software, or just general video games, like yeah. companies like EA Sports and you know, uh, any of the other companies that are developing games right now. Mm-hmm. would want to use that technology right mm-hmm. so there's an exponential amount of potential with that yeah there's potential
0: yeah, licensing opportunities yeah. and a bunch of different stuff which we could do with that so i mean we're really excited about it um and we're we're continuing to develop it in-house and kind of test it and iterate on it but uh cautious about it at the same time in terms of you know not making sure we have the right proof points making sure we have all of our ducks in a row before we go huge with it so, two mm-hmm. questions
1: based off of that. If I was somebody who's using Prodigy right now, yeah. how, if, if, let's say, that technology successfully developed, how would you implement that? What, what, what would be the process of rolling that to the existing customers, customer base? So, here's a really cool thing. And the yeah. second question, second, yeah. sorry. Realistically, how long would it take to develop that technology? Like, when do yeah. you that it would
0: come up it's still maybe a year or two out yeah um, and to answer your question the, the really cool thing is if we already have a user base for our core technology yeah it's just like an add-on that we could add so another yeah. us say exactly so if we're using our base game you could still play on our base game you could still get the upgrade to the premium version to get additional hats and items and clothing and things like that but you could also get this special emotional technology for an additional price which uh would enable the game to respond to your emotions and it would essentially what we're trying to do with this eventually is replace uh tutors the tutoring market right mm-hmm. because if, instead of sending your kids to a program like kumon if you could do, have the same outcome through this game i think it would be huge mm-hmm. and i think it would save parents a lot of money and I think it would make tutoring affordable to a lot more parents as well. Like, if you think about it, only the top, let's say, quintile of parents right now, the top 20%, yeah. can actually afford a $45 an hour private tutor. Um, the others cannot. Yeah. And I see that as a big problem. So, mm-hmm. basically, what we're trying to do with this is make it affordable to a lot more parents. And instead of paying, um, like, a few hundred, like, 45 bucks an hour, you're paying 45 bucks a month, let's say. Mm-hmm.
1: Beware, man. a two-door organization. They're gangsters, man. That's true. <laughs> eliminate them. If they hear this podcast, man. So then uh, going forward, uh, did you have any questions?
2: Um, yeah. No, do you have more questions about... Uh, I was going to go into the kind of more personal questions. More personal questions?
1: All right. So j- I guess just wrapping up in terms of the business aspect, why would you surmise where your company's position is right now? And where do you want to go in the future I know you mentioned expanding to the states because you kind of feel like you've tapped out Ontario or you s- soon will be tapping out Ontario and you, you target you want to target a million uh, subscribers before the end of the year so what do you, where do you see if the business going in the future will? so we've been pretty like
0: disciplined <clears throat> as to how we're expanding our business we've tried to get a critical mass here because like if, if any of you have read books like Crossing the Chasm mm-hmm. by um Jeffrey Moore like essentially there's a big difference between just getting the early adopters in the market and getting a majority of the market or like a significant portion of the market to use your product Mm -hmm. so right now we have over 30% or over one third of all kids in Ontario uh, grades 1 to 8 using Prodigy Um, the goal I think since we've done this within the last essentially 16 months since we've launched our product I think we can get almost 100% of all of Ontario um but from like a year from now and our next goal is to expand into the states and to have a very similar growth trajectory there where we have a million kids here in ontario and there are about 28 million in the states so almost 30 times the size of this market Mm -hmm. after that to go worldwide because there's 150 million kids grades one to eight in india Mm -hmm. for example and another 150 in china yeah. So, mm-hmm. just a ton of kids that we can potentially help around the world. Um so the goal for us is to take our current offering. We've figured out a lot of the bugs, we've figured out a lot of the issues while still working with people here in Ontario. We've beat our competitors here in Ontario, which are the same competitors or I mean a subset at least of the competitors in the states and take it to the US and
1: expand and grow there. Yeah before and one more thing before we go into the personal aspect we completely glossed over sort of uh, the financial aspects of the the business so the first question I would have is and I'm sure a lot of people would be curious how did you get investment initially how did you come up with the startup capital yeah
0: so both Alex and I were pretty fortunate in terms of like our parents being I guess reasonably well off and they put in some of the initial investments so we have got some friends and family and we have got some government grants in total we've raised uh, over a million bucks for the company, uh, mm-hmm. to date. And that's not, that's not huge compared to a lot of high growth tech startups who are kind of experience the same uh, growth trajectory as we are. Yeah. But the cool thing is we're generating our own revenue now as well, which is nice. Um, as opposed to a lot of other companies which go completely free, um, <laughs> and then figure out how to make money once they have 10 million users. Yeah. Say. Yeah. Um, it's much more risky, and I th- I think that's why a lot of venture capital fails as well. Yeah. Um. So, we're starting to generate our own revenue. We've been bootstrapped. I'd like to say for, to a large extent, and we've also raised friends and family and government gr- grants and stuff like
1: that. Yeah. Interesting. With the government grants, you you've been I, at least as far as I know and uh, what I know about government grants, you've been fairly successful yeah in securing them. What advice would you have to somebody who? once you start a company and and they're trying to get government grants in in Ontario and Canada in general, what's helped you? What do you think you, what's made you successful in that regard?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I'd say having a good relationship with there's certain grant officers at each uh, place um, that you can work with at each of the organizations I'd say having a good relationship with them, building trust with them and showing consistent progress. One of the things about our company is like both my partner Alex and I are extremely disciplined in terms of like, we're always working towards targets for the next month, right? Mm-hmm. And for the next three months, and then for the next six months, for the next year. Um, we always have short-term goals that we want to hit, mm-hmm. and we hit those goals more more often than not. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so being very disciplined at execution, showing that consistent progress, people tend to trust you more when you start to do that. Right. If you say you're going to hit 100,000 users by the end of the year, and you hit 100,000 users by the end of the year, fantastic. If you do that two or three times in a row, even better. Right? People say that you know, if you say you're going to set out to do something, you, you
1: actually achieve it. And, and I guess at this stage, since you're generating your own revenue, when was the, when was the moment when you realized, okay, first of all, I, I can pay my own staff without having to secure a government grant yeah. or in more investment? And then I can pay myself because I know that was fairly recent when you started allowing yourself to have a salary before you're just reinvesting all the money you're making back into the business. Right? Yeah.
0: So my partner and I didn't pay ourselves until pretty recently. Yeah. And uh, I mean, that was a decision we made because we were both living at home with our parents, Yeah. Uh, which is a pretty nice luxury. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's a young entrepreneur. Um, and
1: by the way, Rohan's parents yeah. were amazing. Nice <laughs> people, it's very accommodating, and uh, they always try to feed everyone that comes to the house, <laughs> which is nice. Feed everybody, yeah. always trying to get you to sleep over and everything. So.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't know. It's been a very gradual process. Like you, you eventually build up to it. I wouldn't say there's a single point where we're like, okay, we're kind of you know making our own money now, so. We can, for it to pay people it's it'd be an ongoing process. Yeah. We won't be profitable for the next few years, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um we may be cash flow positive for a few months, but we always try to grow um as we uh, g- sorry grow our team and grow our staff as in our in our company as we start making more revenue. And I mean, when you think about it mathematically, it, to take a profit means you're leaving money in the bank, yeah. right? at, like, 1% interest now. Yeah. And uh, if you're growing a company at 1,000% a year and you're making 1% interest in the bank, like, it just makes no mo- sense to leave money in the bank. So, I mean, why would you do it? Yeah. Um, so the goal is to keep growing and to keep using our current revenues to, to fund future
2: expansion. Yeah, like, I, uh, how did you get through that for the first, like, two years or so when you were, you were not making any money but you were spending all your time on this project? You were pretty cash poor for, uh, for a good amount of time, if I remember. Yeah, definitely.
0: Um, the key was to keep our expenses low. So, I mean, Alex and I were working for free, mm-hmm. which is a, it's a good luxury. We were paying our employees, but we weren't paying them as much at that time. Um, mm-hmm. Now we play pretty competitively. Um, and I think one of the goals was to find people who really wanted to um, who really bought into our overall mission of helping kids and, you know, building this game, which is really engaging and um, getting out and having a real impact on this, this generation of kids. So mm-hmm. that really helped in terms of keeping expenses low. Um, a guy named Steve Blank, who's one of the godfathers of startups yeah. and uh, stuff like that in Silicon Valley, says the goal of a startup is to grow fast and to spend little. Yeah. Um, that's essentially the definition of it. So that's, that's what we tried to do it to grow really fast while spending not very much money
1: so i guess transitioning more i guess to the personal aspect of it yeah obviously you and alex started this company together you see potential for it you seem to get along what is your relationship like now and yeah. what are your individual roles especially now that you've got a staff so there's certain things that you don't have to do yourselves. what are you doing right now what do you do on a day-to-day basis yourself and what does alex do
0: we do so much on a day-to-day basis, which is, like, varied, which uh, there's no one role that we have. Yeah. I'd say, like, we both do a lot of the business planning, you know, um, forecasting growth, figuring out where our sales and customers are going to come from. Um, we have we have very, I'd say, similar strengths in terms of we're both pretty quantitative. We both um, are focused on what we want to get done for the next, uh, let's say, month or three months. So we take on a pretty varied role. Um, what Alex and I are doing which our employees aren't doing is a lot of the cash flow stuff, a lot of the finance stuff, a lot of the sales and marketing and it's only recently that we hired someone in the marketing role and that we hired someone else in the sales role who will be starting pretty soon so um, they'll be taking a few of those taking over a few of those responsibilities but I think as, as a in, in a leadership role, we're kind of steering the ship, mm-hmm. which is uh, a lot of what we're doing. And we're, until now, we were generating a majority of the sales and mm-hmm. working with our customers and figuring out what our customers needed and stuff like that. So I think there are a few different stages that founders have to, a few different roles that founders have to take on in a, in a company. When you're initially starting out, the role of the founder, I believe, is to figure out what your customers need and what, what your product offering should have. So that's that product market fit that you hear about a lot in like the lean startup and stuff like that. Um, the secondary thing that founders should do is it should be really good at bringing on your initial com- um, customers. So Alex and I were going out and get, interacting with a lot of school boards and getting a lot of the students on until now. The third role which uh, I think we're just starting to transition to right now in terms of founders, is making sure our team has the right heading and that our growth is, um, is sustainable in the longer term and our growth curve continues to be what it was. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're trying to do right now. We're trying to automate some of the sales things that we're doing currently. Um, we're trying to move more to a marketing model as opposed to a sales model. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of interacting with each of our individual customers because I mean if you get to 10,000 kids There's no way that Alex and I or even 10 other people that we hire are going to interact with 10,000 people yeah. uh, sorry 10 million people. Yeah Um. Mm-hmm. so That's that's what our focus is right now. We're just just starting to make
2: that transition right. Yeah, and this is uh, this is a question that might help out some like team ups of entrepreneurs where they team yeah. up with someone else Yeah uh, when did you guys have that conversation about who owns percentages of the company or have you done anything like that? Right away initially yeah, right away. when we are starting it up you need
0: to have that conversation in the beginning we split it 50-50 that's how it's always been, I don't believe there's another way to do it because if you do 49-51 someone
1: always feels like they're getting the
0: shorter end of the stick
1: Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep.
1: And how do you feel about because we had uh, you know Bold Russian and Kutz Russian on the podcast before, uh-huh. and they sort of had a different approach to it, where they felt like they wanted to focus more on sales initially, and then draw up a partnership agreement in the future, just because as Bold Russian, kind of his perspective was, uh, even if if he trusts his partner, and even if yeah. the partner was to, say, screw him over in the future, he doesn't care about it, but obviously, what's what's your perspective on that, what's your opinion on that?
0: uh i think generating sales initially is always good
1: yeah
0: uh it's a little bit more difficult with a product like ours because um if you're generating if if you have something like a services business where you go out and generate sales right away and you're selling your expertise and stuff yeah you can do that Mm -hmm. um with ours we're building a software product and we're building a game which is more intensive let's say than building let's say a simple website Mm-hmm. Um, like a Salesforce or something, if you're building a, a CRM, you're, you can do that pretty quickly. There's not that much that's involved in getting an initial prototype. With ours, there is. So I think there's a little bit more important than for us than a, a company which is doing pure services or a company which is doing, let's say, a, a marketing company where you can go out and sell your stuff right away. There, I think that business model and that type of relationship would be applicable. Okay. For
2: ours, I don't think it would be. And speaking about, since you guys have a 50-50 relationship uh, from the start and going forward, yeah, have you guys ever had any major disagreements about the future of the company that you've had to work out or any difficulties? Nope. Uh, no. We usually come Perfect to... Marriage. Yeah. We <laughs> usually come
0: to agreements pretty quickly. There's obviously things that we disagree on. Um, and there are obviously things that, you know, we have different opinions on, but we ration it out and the really cool thing about our partnership is that both of us are pretty, um, pretty grounded in terms of not letting ego get in the way. Right. Mm -hmm. so like any decisions will come to a conclusion almost right away. It doesn't take very long. Um, Mm -hmm. there are rare cases where, you know, we disagree on it for a day or so, but after that we just, you know, try to get together and hash it out, weigh out the positives and negatives for the company if we can't come to a decision after that, we don't do it. Um, so, for example, if we're trying to hire someone, one of us really likes them, the other one really doesn't, we try to hash it out over the period of a day. Um, if the other person who doesn't like them doesn't change their mind after that, we don't hire them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It has to be kid. Okay. We work on a consistent system. It's nice because we only have two people because, you know, there's only really one other person to convince. Yeah. <laughs> to, to get a consensus um, so it's uh, it's it's worked out pretty well so far and working with someone that's pretty level-headed I think makes all
1: the difference there mm-hmm. right, so you mentioned a couple times your relationship with, with Alex and then keeping motivated kind of a callback to the previous question expansion do you have a morning routine because something I recently implemented is and you mentioned it you touched on it a bit some of Tim Ferriss's four-hour work week stuff uh for me, I just implement like the first thing I do when I wake up is I will plug in my iPhone and play a podcast, something by maybe Tim Ferriss or anybody else uh, that inspires me and it gets me going. It gets me going for the day and then I also don't check my emails in the morning. I check my emails after lunch or at lunch. So do you have a morning routine? Yeah, I jump up out my bed,
0: turn my swag on, <laughs> take, take a look at the, the mirror say what's up. Hey! Yeah, hey. Oh. Uh, no, there's no morning routine. There's no morning routine? I wake up pretty late and I'm not an early riser. So I essentially literally jump out of my bed and uh, turn, turn my. Swagger. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I jump into the shower and then I drive to work. That's yeah. it.
1: What yeah. about on, on your drive to work? Like uh, you're driving from Mississauga to Burlington. Yeah. Um, I have
0: about a 20, 25 minute drive. It's closer yeah. to 25 minutes. I like to listen to audiobooks a lot um, yeah. because I don't have an MBA or a real business degree or founding. Uh, most of my business knowledge has come from reading books and real life experience. So basically, I'll read things like um, Good to Great, a lot of stuff by Seth Godin, uh, a lot of stuff by Chip Heath and Dan Heath. Mm-hmm. There's a really book, good book called Switch. and There's Decisive, Contagious by Jonah Berger, which I'm reading right now. Um, so I'll go through all these audiobooks on my drive to work, and that kind of really jolts me uh, up in the
2: morning while I'm, while I'm on my on my drive. Gets you inspired, yeah. yeah. What are what are maybe your top five books you've ever read that have just inspired you the most? I'll give you my top
0: three, if that helps. Uh, the Lean Startup is definitely a really good one. Shout out to Eric um, Reese. Yeah, yep, Eric Reese, and uh, Made to Stick by Dan Heath and Chip Heath. I'd say is is definitely up there. Uh The Purple Cow by Seth Godin. Mm. The um Predictably Irrational. Uh yeah, I like Dan Ariely, Predictably Irrational. I know to introduce you guys to that one. <laughs> yeah. Um uh, that's a pretty good book. I've in my top five. Yeah. And um I'm reading Contagious by Jonah Berger right now, which is pretty good. But I'd say another one called Switch by Dan Heath and Chip Heath is uh, is probably i'd say it would definitely make the list mm-hmm.
1: timothy ferris
0: tim ferris for our work week for
1: sure love that book just a personal question have you i mean you already mentioned some of the stuff that you implemented from the four our work week yeah is there any stuff going forward and that you want to do in terms of automation like
0: uh you know what like we tried the whole virtual workers which yeah. we we're trying virtual to assistants. do a little bit yeah virtual assistants sorry, and uh hasn't worked out as well for us there's a lot of management overhead that you'd have to incur to get a really effective virtual assistant team and for the type of business that we're in right now we tried outsourcing some software dev stuff when we were initially making our website it just didn't work yeah uh they just it's hard to control the quality it's hard to control what people are doing i find having exceptional people on your team is the best way to go so i mean we've, we've implemented some tips and tricks from the four-hour work week like you know how to be effective on a daily basis mm-hmm. but a lot of the automation stuff as a tech company we do anyway right and uh i, I haven't hired any virtual assistants or anything like that and i think we, we like to keep people in our office and on our team All Right.
1: and then uh just going off i guess you already answered my question and one of my questions that i had for you was uh if somebody was to understand you better as a person what three books should they read and then already listed off a bunch of books, so thanks, Rohan. <laughs> thanks for really That was such an awesome question. Uh, <laughs> just taking the thunder away. <laughs> the thunder. I'm trying to be professional over here. <laughs> yeah. Busy answering questions before I ask
2: them. <laughs> He's getting ahead of himself. Getting ahead of himself. What, you think that... <laughs> oh, what's that saying again? You just get interviewed here. <laughs> we <laughs> interview here. <laughs>
1: so, uh, okay, another question I'd have would be... Obviously, you know, we're good friends. When you first started the company, you know, you definitely had more free time on your hands. Uh, what's... And going forward, has it gotten busier? You've obviously not had as much social time. What sacrifices have you had to make in terms of personal relationships, be it friends or romantic and quick? <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh,
0: there's a lot. Yeah. Like, basically a lot of my time now is spent on the company yeah and i think it's uh it's a necessity because in order to kind of get this thing to blow up and become huge it needs a lot of time and dedication focus is the friend of all entrepreneurs and mm-hmm. i think that fo- lack of focus destroys more companies than anything else yeah and like you say it's like a lack of funding you run out of uh you run out of cash or like you have some competitors who come in and you know take away your customers or something like that but i believe it all stems down at the very core to a lack of focus and to a lack of doing what you're really good at and figuring out what you can offer that's above and beyond your competitors so we've decided to focus a lot of time on our company and uh you know like friends personal relationships and stuff like that software so like when i go out on the weekends now i go out way less than i used to before mm-hmm. in school we used to go out like you know like three four times a week yeah uh we and... champion <laughs> 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 not quite um and now it's uh it's, it's a lot less going out a lot less you know partying and stuff like that but mm-hmm. i think in the end if we have this intense focus any incremental time that you put into the company right now will have a massive impact three years from now I would say yeah. so
1: that's mm-hmm. that's a rationale behind it so obviously you know a big part of social interactions is releasing stress though so yeah. what are the things that you do right now in terms of in your free time to release stress
0: yeah that's a good question I like to go out at least uh, <laughs> at least <laughs> once a week um, I like to work out and uh, you know like watch some comedy at night I'll probably watch like 20 minutes half an hour favorite comedian Ch- Chappelle. Chappelle. Chappelle Dave Chappelle Dave Chappelle <laughs> Yeah, he's coming back. Yeah, Yeah, he is. I hear that. Yeah,
2: hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) You guys, Uh, maybe maybe you can tell us, uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit. This is kind of a generic question, but uh, when did you feel on top of the world? When was like the peak of this whole entrepreneurship roller coaster? So
1: like your product entrepreneurial.
2: uh, Oh man,
0: I don't think there's been a peak as yet. There hasn't been a peak no i don't think so not even your first paycheck uh the first paycheck was definitely nice what I about took my took my family out for a nice dinner nice um i think yeah that was probably that was probably it i would Hitting, assume
1: anyone like if you, your first paycheck is gonna be a big deal yeah, yeah. being know.
0: able to pay yourself was nice oh, yeah um the first time we hit a hundred thousand users I think was one of the big moments and we we're like that was a big goal that we we're striving to from the beginning we're like we want to get to 100,000 kids on this mm-hmm. and when we hit that milestone it was huge and we went out for a party with our employees and stuff like that and um it was really validation to say hey it isn't just a small thing which we're doing right now like people are actually using and valuing and benefiting from what we've made mm-hmm. um that was a really good feeling but most of the work, I think, is still ahead. We want to hit millions, tens of millions of users with this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if we don't, it'll be a big detriment to the community. Because uh, there's a lot of inferior math software out there. Yeah. Um, I think what we're doing is fundamentally better, and it's continuing to get better as we go on. So, like, if we don't get this out to kids, it's a failure. Not not for us, but for those kids. Yeah. Because they don't get to experience what we've made for them. Mm-hmm.
1: What's... um going to the kids what's the feedback you've gotten from the kids what do the kids say about the game like have you obviously you've sat down with kids and they've told you what they think oh man they just love it got some referrals from the kids some, yeah some,
0: So some testimonials <laughs> when I go into schools now it's really interesting because we have little kids come up to you and they're like oh my god you made prodigy like, you know, like you're the best yeah I can't believe meeting you I get asked for autographs all the time in school. some kids get autographs for like their siblings and stuff like that it's, it's really interesting
2: um do you have like your picture in the game somewhere (laughs) (laughs) i should should, the final boss is just your face (laughs) if there's one thing i get from this interview it's gonna be (laughs) that.
0: um yeah that's that's one of the really cool things just seeing kids feedback to it they're like they're so engaged and addicted to this that they spend hours at home playing it yeah and Mm -hmm. they take it with them and like you know I've had times when I've gone into schools to visit classrooms and kids have colored in, like, pictures and, like, written me personal notes and stuff like that. And it's it's really wow. cool. Yeah, it's really, really
2: interesting. That's amazing. Here's, here's kind of a random one, but I think you'll probably have an interesting response for it. What's more of the... What's, like, a stranger story that's happened just interacting with all these kids and teachers? Has there ever been, like, a really weird moment or just something that sticks out to mind?
0: Something that's really weird uh, is... A lot of the times, we have a support line, right, in the company, Yeah. and uh, it's funny how obsessed kids are with poop. <laughs> 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 what? Yeah, and we'll get, like, emails from poop at poop.com, um, and, like, <laughs> just, like uh, kids will just, like, fill in random things, like, I like poop, and, like, uh, <laughs> it's, it's really funny, uh, receiving a lot of the, these
2: stranger emails from kids. They're they're reaching out to your support they, staff. They try to prank us. Yeah, <laughs> really. <That's pretty laughs> funny. Yeah.
0: Poop yeah. yeah. Wow. They they just have a massive obsession with feces for some reason.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you should have to. Uh, you should work that into the game somehow. and Make some sort of uh, poop monster. Yeah, let's <laughs> not <want> or <to. laughs> <laughs> yeah. One of the wizards just <laughs> has the poop spell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Potter. <laughs> the
0: quality of your game has gone down significantly. Yeah. Since, since this new poop upgrade. <laughs> this new
1: poop upgrade. Yeah, <laughs> it's not poop. It's P-O-O-P. <laughs> uh,
2: I think you really need, to, uh, really need to fill this in. This is a major <laughs> gap in your audience that you're not, okay. not addressing. They're trying to reach out to you, man. Maybe. <laughs> What uh, what kind of personality trait for you do you think you attribute to most of your success towards?
0: Oof. I don't even know where to begin answering that. Um, persistence, I think, is a big one in uh, in all entrepreneurship because there's going to be so many challenges. There's going to be so many things which you do wrong, which you do right, and uh, getting through a lot of those challenges, you need to be persistent, as in being great in anything else right if you're to be the best soccer player for example since FIFA's going on right now um Mm -hmm. you'd have to persevere through a lot of those challenges Um, a lot of famous basketball players like I mean you've all heard the stories of how they got rejected from their high school basketball teams and they're now yeah Yeah. (laughs) and now like the greatest of the greats so um that's been one of the big things just figuring out that you know challenges are just opportunities to excel past um
2: what the current issue is yeah, Like, I've been very impressed with you guys just uh, because you face so many challenges just developing a game for this sort of, like, double-edged sword of a market where you're trying to market to kids and their parents and school boards at the same time. A triple-edged yeah. sword, actually. A very yeah. ineffectual sword. Yeah. quadruple triple sword. Yeah. <laughs> Principals. Yeah. Blunt sword. Yeah. An octagonal sword. This <laughs> <laughs> is a baseball bat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But well, yeah, you you've just overcome like all of these challenges that would like me from an outside view. I just thought would be near impossible to overcome. So cool. just gotta give you kudos on that. It's pretty amazing. Appreciate it. Yeah.
1: From another perspective, you're talking about uh, the best attribute that's helped you with your success. Obviously, to anybody listening, to anybody that meets you for the first time, they normally say, "Oh, Rohan's such a confident guy. Like, how did he come about to being that?" At such a young age, what would you attribute that to? What what what's helped you? Were you always like that? Did you did you grow up confident? Like well, what's No, definitely like
0: not. It? Um, it's just building on your successes. Really, you know, start small, find something that you want to do, make a goal, achieve it. Yeah. Go on, make a bigger goal, achieve it. That's what we've done with our business. I like hit, you know, initially we we're like, let's just get this in front of twenty kids and make sure these twenty kids love our product. Let's get in front of two classes now. Make sure those two classes love our product. Let's do five classes, ten. Eventually, we got to ten thousand, hundred thousand kids. The next goal is a million kids. Um, then ten million, probably after that. So just eventually scaling up,
1: building on these small achievements. That's that's all it is. Hmm. And. Uh... I've got a couple like more morbid questions. So, <laughs> uh, so the first one would be, um, let's say you get you were to get hit by a bus tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You know what would happen to your business? What would happen?
0: Uh, I think the business will still go on. The cool thing about having a co-CEO system is yeah. that you know one of us can take over. I think it would have a negative impact for sure in terms of the contacts that are made and relationships and stuff like that, but. Um, we have a good employee base. There's 12 of us. So it's not like, you know, if I, if I got hit by a bus, it would completely destroy the business. Mm-hmm. Um, the really cool thing is that at least there's a little bit of redundancy between Alex and I. So if any of us kind of got morbidly ill or something like that, it's, uh, it would still go on to some extent. I think we're still in a pretty good state right now where we can continue
1: to grow and build the product. hmm. And, uh, then the second question would have been, uh, what is your most interesting failure this year? most interesting failure um or at least the failure that taught you the most this year yeah there's
0: been there's been one specifically, and I'm not going to mention the name of this person, but there's some person that had a, a big school board here which uh, we've had a lot of trouble convincing to adopt our game' it was one of the only school boards that we've spent so much time with which hadn't hasn't you know, adopted and rolled out our game board, uh, board wide. And it's been because this person has a fundamental belief that, um, mm. practice is not necessary in math and it's not, uh, something that kids have to, kids don't have to answer questions. They just have to understand the concept basically mm. is, uh, is what this person thinks. And, um, our product help helps kids practice and understand, Um, but a lot of it is the practice component and it's kind of grouping us into the category of a lot of the other just uh, games where it's skill and drill where you just kind of uh, get question after question. There's no adaptation or anything like that. And one of the big things I've learned from that is you can't necessarily change a person's worldview. And Seth Godin talks about this a lot in one of his books. Um, Not exactly which one it is, um, but it's it's one of his books, and it's basically you need to align yourself to that person's worldview, and sympathize with the, to, with them to some extent, and understand where they're coming from, and to know that you don't you while you can't necessarily change the way they think about certain philosophies, um, you still can sympathize with them, and you still can work with them to some extent without taking an opposing view. You don't have to convince everyone that what you're doing is absolutely right. Mm -hmm. Um, You just have to make sure that they're not an enemy. Um, And I think that's been a pretty powerful lesson for us because so far we've been trying to convince people that, hey, we're the best math game out there and I think we are. Um, Not everyone will agree and uh, they don't necessarily have to agree. They just have to not oppose you very strongly. Or you can
1: give me his address, and I, you know, his or her address, and I can go there. And, like, With your foreheads. Or, <laughs> and yeah. Exactly. Well, I'll be like, hey, man, how are the kids? <laughs> <laughs> man, how's, your, how's your wife doing? <laughs> <laughs> so about that prodigy game. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> don't, be, don't be a wise guy.
2: <laughs> Maybe uh, more going on to the personal development side. Yeah, like you've uh, you've developed a lot through over the course of like creating your own company and like building this up. Like as a person, do you think there's another area that you really need to work on for yourself? Like, where do you think is your weakest area that you're trying to work towards making stronger?
1: Biceps, biceps, <laughs>
2: yeah, probably
0: biceps. It's probably my legs. My squats aren't very good. Um, yeah, um, I. I i'm not quite sure it's uh there's a lot of things which you need to be good at to start a company and uh to develop it i wouldn't say i'm particularly exceptional at any one of them i'd like to get back a little bit more into coding after this Um, i'm really interested in psychology and i'd like to do a little bit more research on that maybe even after uh, developing this company and um so there, there are a lot of areas in terms of personal development I find that entrepreneurs have a wide skill set, but it's not a particularly focused skill set. So you're, you're trying to do a little bit of everything, but you don't get very good at any one thing, which I like to do personally. Mm-hmm. I know that was a really vague answer. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right. Hypothetically, is there a question that we didn't ask that you want to talk about? Like something that you're, uh,
1: that's you, uh, <laughs> that where I wanted to go. I was going to ask, um, so obviously, like how many, do you know how many interviews you've done?
0: With uh, with people? Yeah. Or like, sorry, for hiring employees in our No, many? no, just
1: in general interviews, like when people sit down with you or email, talk about your business. and. Including this type of interview or like what? Yeah, I, get, I, don't I mean, I don't think this oh, is your not, first podcast. Yeah, yeah i anybody that sat down with you and talked to you extensively about your, your business. And not
0: very many. I'd say interview. maybe under 10. Under 10? So far, yeah.
1: What is it, uh, like, have you enjoyed all of them, or what? how has this process been different from the previous ones that you've done? Obviously, like, we have a personal relationship.
0: Yeah, you know what, I like this one because you guys go a lot deeper in terms of, we've had two hours, right, we've gone into a lot of the details and specifics, and Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's really interesting because you get to reflect on a lot of things and you ask questions which are provocative even to me in terms of, like, what do you attribute the success to and what's I mean, the most successful or what's being the most important, personality trait and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always interesting, um, and I'm, I I think I'm always learning. Yeah. So I'm kind of in the beginning of this journey, I'd say, still. Um, there's still a lot more to go, a lot more to learn, so it's good to step back once in a while and reflect on it. I don't, I don't really do too many interviews um, so far. PR has been one of the most lacking areas that stay in our company um by design actually because i think pr is very fleeting in terms of its uh its impact like you get one newspaper post you get one interview somewhere um and it goes away in five days yeah no one remembers right so our whole core focus in the company has been building a great product building a great customer experience um, user experience and ensuring that our current customers love our product enough to refer it to friends I think that's the real growth, the uh, key to growing as opposed to the PR and uh, marketing
2: I think I have the best idea for you yeah you're going to start a podcast and you're going to interview mommy bloggers and principals yeah, nice <laughs> and you're going to ask them what are the best ways to teach children and engage them in their learning and you're going to pitch a smart teacher at the end of it <laughs> that'd be good yeah
1: you guys won uh, best pitch on, on, on the pitch, right?
0: Yeah, we won best best pitch on BNN
1: on the pitch. Yeah, and uh, what what was that process like? Like when you win best pitch, what does that mean? Uh, nothing much, really. It just...
0: <laughs> <laughs> They're not just... investing their money in it. I yeah. so don't care. <laughs> it just means they bring you back for another episode, reflect a little bit, give an update on what, where you've what you've done since
1: then. Was that part of the reason why uh, Pro Bowl? team your mentor?
0: Or? Yeah, to some extent. I mean, he was he was working with us all throughout the process, so um, we had a little bit of a relationship since then. So it's uh, essentially you just get another episode on the pitch, you get to reflect on the goals that you made and how you've achieved them or not achieved them. Or when we went on the pitch, we made a pretty bold claim. We said we would get to 100,000 users by the end of the year mm-hmm. and 100,000 students, sorry and uh we were maybe at four or five thousand kids at that point i think this was earlier on in the year maybe we were at slightly more but anyways it was it was not significant compared to 100,000 yeah. and we went back on the pitch at the end of the year and we said we have over 100,000 kids on it now so wow. just the fact that you have you kind of made a set out a goal and made a very bold claim and achieved that
2: at the end of the year is is kind of nice there like did, did you see that in like your growth rate like your hockey stick going up or did you just kind of you're just like confidently I'm just gonna say this and I'm <laughs> wish it into reality yeah
0: um, we, we had a forecast whatever and stuff to back that up but uh, most of it was
1: just blind faith <laughs> <laughs> survivor's bias yeah exactly for me you know me I'm I'm moving to China soon right yeah and you know Pretty much what I'm gonna do in terms of business in China. I've kind of explained it to you. What what sort of advice do you have for me? And I think you've already explained like well how I should go about targeting that, but just yeah. saying it here on the podcast.
0: Yeah. So okay, one of the before you do that, let yeah. me explain
1: what I'm gonna do. Actually, I don't think I've explained on the podcast what I'm gonna no, go for. It. So essentially, I'm gonna to move to China in uh, two months, I guess. And what I'm going to be doing is expanding a couple of retail stores, importing goods from China back to Zambia. The Retail stores are clothing, retail and hardware. And my thought process is that there are a lot of small businesses similar to the business that my family owns. And uh, they also import goods from China and sell them in Zambia. And the process is every couple of months, they have to go there and physically buy the goods. So they spend money on plane tickets, they spend money on, on accommodation, food, and then they have to physically go there, check the goods, because they don't trust sending money to Chinese suppliers. And they don't have anybody on the ground that they can trust to do that for them. So my thought process is I'll, I'll, I'll do, I'll take over my family business, expand that, and then go into expanding... Uh, being the guy in China for the other companies similar to my parents, uh, who are looking for somebody that they can trust in China so they can save money on accommodation and travel and then I'll just charge them a percentage off of that. So what what advice would you have for me in terms of scaling that
0: Yeah, we've talked about this before and yeah. basically my, my belief and my approach to scaling is start small yeah. Make sure your existing customers are very happy and then get them to refer you to additional people. So if you're looking at stores within, let's say your parents' town or city that they live in, look at other stores that have a similar challenge. And if you truly have a better product or better process or offering for them, then get them to buy into. Their competitors are doing this and their peers are doing this. So it's it should be a better process and prove out the value to them. After you do that, say, hey, go to the next city beside them and say, hey, all of the stores in the city, like 100% have adopted our product. Why don't you do it too? You get the early adopters there, use the early adopters to convince the others in the population. I think that's the best way to expand and grow because you get within a geographic region, let's say 80 to 100% of the people enrolled in your service or product, you spend way less time. Managing those relationships afterwards, right it becomes something that everyone else is doing, so you know it, it's almost as if you're missing out if you're not part of that group that's doing it. yeah um, so I think I think that's the best approach to go about, it and that's how to expand any business. Make sure your existing customers are very happy, so happy that they refer you to your um, to their peers and their competitors and um,
1: to, to expand that way. And then I guess going off of that, if I if I have that uh, core group of of uh, a core customer base that's large enough, and I'm getting large enough orders, yeah, I can then use leverage that with the suppliers in China to get cheaper deals.
0: Exactly, and you can even scale out additional offerings if people already trust you for one thing, yeah. in a business relationship, right? Let's say you can get them new products from China. Um, if there's new, let's say, uh, if they're doing only clothing and there's an opportunity to get them into shoes, mm-hmm. um, they already trust you. You have those relationships. So why not just expand that and expand the, uh, the average revenue per customer that you have based on that offering? So once you capture a market, it's, it's much easier to build on that than to go at it and introduce a new product cool to a whole new customer base.
1: I'm going to bust out some uh, college business. <laughs> Economies <laughs> of scale Simon. Right. <laughs> oh. What about you? Uh, do you have any questions for Rohan? Uh, In
2: terms
1: of what you're going to do going forward with PPC and...
2: Yeah. And uh, well, I think that uh, I'm going to have a talk with your marketing guy that you just hired. Yeah. yeah. And... Uh, I'm going to find out how he runs his marketing thing. One of the the problems that I'm currently facing is I'm looking to start selling uh, marketing services specifically like AdWords campaigns and possibly, well, definitely website design, but that's one of the things my buddy handles. Uh, Basically, what it comes down to is uh, having confidence that what you think will work will work. Yeah. And you face that with the marketer that you hired where he couldn't really get results. Uh so yeah, I uh I guess you could say I'm a little bit nervous about offering like uh to run paper call campaigns or pay per click campaigns for yeah. people when I'm not necessarily sure if they're gonna be able to convert those customers. Yeah. Um yeah, what what do you think about uh an aspiring marketer? How would you how would you want someone to pitch you <laughs> if they were trying to do marketing services for you?
0: Basically before you convince your customers you gotta convince yourself, right? If you're not sure that what you're offering is actually going to result in a ROI, or a return on investment, then you're, you have to figure that out, right, and you've got to do it on a smaller scale. So work with one customer, figure out what works and what doesn't work. There are obviously going to be things you try initially which don't work. Everyone does it, right? There's more things that won't work than will work initially. Once you find those things that will work and you're generating a positive ROI, then you can scale into other things and other customers and say hey this is what we did with this one client this is how much it, uh, this is how well it worked and they had a 50% return on investment 100% return on investment fantastic right i can do the same for you and you can say it with confidence then
2: hmm. all right so work work more more closely with your first one or two clients and uh, exactly basically try everything and see what you can actually make work and then expand off of that
0: the other key thing there is figuring out metrics that you're going to track it from how do you prove that ROI? You need numbers behind it. Right? It can't just be one or two customers giving you a positive testimonial. Um, the more hard numbers you have, the harder it is for someone to argue with you and argue with your results. So figuring out what metrics you're going to track your marketing efforts by. So for example, it's it's very easy to do for something like an AdWords campaign because you can figure out the CPA, which is a cost per acquisition. right? Mm-hmm. You can figure out what their customer is worth to them. So let's say the cost per acquisition is $5, which is, I mean, that's extremely low for <laughs> for any sort of Google Analytics or Google AdWords campaign. Yeah. Um, and let's say uh, the customer lifetime value is $10, or you're generating essentially 100% ROI for them. You're mm-hmm. spending $5 to acquire a customer that's worth $10. So... Having those numbers, I think, and metrics is very important, and putting those in place at the beginning of your campaign so you can you can actually track it and figure it out and iterate on it. Is is probably key.
2: Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's that's a lot to think about. Thanks
1: for the advice, man. So, uh, just a little bit more of a, a philosophical, I guess, going forward. Uh, where do you see yourself in ten years? Where do you see yourself living? what kind of lifestyle do you want to be living what do you see yourself doing on a day-to-day basis i have no
0: idea no idea no idea <laughs> <laughs> the thing with uh, being an entrepreneur is you're so focused on the short term right because yeah. you don't have the luxury to forecast out 10 years you don't know what your growth rate's going to be for the next month yeah. right so what yeah, we're it's trying it's to do it's is a dream yeah so the dream is i mean eventually you we'll maybe uh, either grow this company at the stage where we IPO or sell the company yeah and um have it at a stage where you know you do independently wealthy and um but potentially move on to a few other ventures um I think there's a lot of other potential impact that we could have like uh, one of my personal role models and inspirations is Elon Musk yeah. and he's taken on like three different ventures which are Impacting different aspects of what he sees as the ultimate vision for so, humanity. So, South So yeah, that's uh, that's one of the things I want to be striving towards as well. Kind of having more impact in different areas, and we'll see how that
1: happens. Rohan drives a hybrid. He's saving the world. Yes, yeah. one, step one kilometer at a time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and. Actually, yeah, that's that kind of leads into an interesting question. Do you do you think that you're going to be traveling anytime soon, or going to do that whole see the world thing? It's
1: coming to China.
2: You're, oh, you're coming I'll, to China. I'll visit Cafe
0: Mocha in China. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully, uh,
1: hopefully Ash will be there. At
0: the same
2: time. <laughs> yeah. Sometime. I will. I'll probably be there a couple months after Mocha touches base.
0: I wouldn't do any serious traveling until this business is well on its way, though. So. Mm-hmm. Um, the main focus right now, and it will be for the, the sh- shorter term as well, is making sure the company grows and grows really well and has, is sustainable and stuff like that. So um, after that, I think there'll be a ton of time to travel.
2: Do you think that uh, it's possible for you to step away from the company for maybe a month or so and let Alex run it, and yeah. then you can go do a more short-term travel thing?
0: Probably not right now. Maybe a few weeks over the summer, but not, not anything sustained. Mm-hmm. Um. There's. it just requires so much time and focus that any time I'm put in right now is worth like exponentially more time in the future right so mm-hmm. um, just any incremental benefit any incremental advantage that you can get currently is, is just so so valuable at this
1: stage in the company what do you uh, what do your parents think about the business or what What do your parents talk to you about do, do your parents told you that they're proud of you like well, what, what what's their opinion and what's going on does yeah, your dad give I'd you say, advice and I mean they're they're pretty
0: uh, they're pretty positive on it yeah Um, they're really impressed they've always been pretty encouraging to say you know if you want to go start a business like go do it we'll be in full support of you Um, I think that's pretty important as a young entrepreneur because they've been I've been living at home with them driving their car (laughs) um, (laughs) eating their food and mobile with the spinning rim (laughs) (laughs) Um, so it's it's I think pretty important and they've, they've been really supportive all throughout the process so that's
2: that's been helpful and like you've, you've been putting just so much work and so much effort into this with like so little time for yourself don't you ever worry about like burning yourself out or like becoming disengaged because of all the time you're spending in this I
0: think as long as there's progress it's, it's validation and you don't become disengaged um, I don't work myself to the extent that you get burnt out I know a lot of other entrepreneurs do, and, like, I like to take at least a little bit of time off to go to the gym or to, you know, go out once in a while or to to do other things, so. Playing squash. Yeah. (laughs) Playing some squash.
1: Yeah. it's not a joke as well. that's, that's I played really squash really. yesterday so yeah there you go so, I was like are you gonna join a country club next and <laughs> yeah. have a caddy and you tips on that Christmas yeah, I, think, thing. I, I think you need a
2: sweater just tied, just tied, tied around you yes, 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 that's true <laughs> just
1: wear some like white khaki shorts <laughs> you know, tennis shoes mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Ryan is there anything you want to add?
2: yeah anything yeah anything you want to talk about or any huge learning points you've had over the course of
0: no I think you guys had, had asked all the right questions yeah yeah. most of the stuff I want to talk about was like you know challenges and things like that and you've asked a bunch of questions around that so yep. I think we're running at a good point
2: for our own interview stuff there, yeah. is there anything that we could have done better for the interview other than drinking uh, a little bit of wine <laughs> maybe a little bit too much wine um
0: <laughs> uh, no no it was pretty good We're becoming very suave young interviewers <laughs> <laughs>
1: i was gonna say well, how would you um like i described prodigy at the beginning yeah and i'm obviously in the course of the interview you've described yeah. Prodigy, but just as a small concise like i guess elevated pitch elevated pitch what is prodigy
0: yeah so prodigy is essentially i would say the world's most engaging math game we're like pokemon but with the ontario math curriculum in it and with the u.s common core curriculum in it so that kids actually get to learn and practice the math skills that they have in class or that they're learning anyway in school in a really fun and engaging format. And one of the superintendents we work with said this very well. Like, if you see a kid who goes home and spends two hours doing math worksheets, you'd say, wow, what a diligent kid. Like, they must have great parents, a great teacher, so disciplined, (laughs) you know. Um, But yet we see kids going home and playing our game for two hours every single day. And uh, you know, they're achieving the same outcome. So we're a much better way to, let would say, practice and learn math.
2: And actually, this is uh, this is probably a question I should have asked before. But uh, has there ever been anything from like your audience, like the kids who have really been like clamoring for something in your game that you've implemented into it?
0: Oh, all the time. We get feedback from kids all the time. And that's, that's where a lot of our features come from. So, for example... Uh, we found that like, kids really like pets in the game. Like mm-hmm. we implemented one feature where kids would like, you know, get to kind of like Pokemon, get to work, adopt a single pet, a werewolf cub in this case. <laughs> <and adopt kids. laughs> it's really, really popular. The kids were like, "Oh, and we want more pets. pets! Yeah, we want to feed them. We want to like raise them." In the toilet. <laughs>
2: You get to like raise it up, so it helps you in battle. Exactly, yeah.
0: And you get to like take care of it and everything. And that was a big deal for kids. They really wanted to take care of these pets. So we've built out that system. Pets can now evolve and a whole bunch of different things. So
1: did you you take any? Like that reminds me. I used to have a Neopet man. Yeah, yeah. Back back in the day, I think (laughs) I still have a Neopet. Might be starving right now, but (laughs) (laughs) I haven't fed it for like ten ten years. years. (laughs) The Neopet was like a blue. Dog
0: you know special. what? We were just talking about that in the office, and yeah. neopets pets are so mean to like people because like <laughs> if you don't take care of your pets for like a day, they yeah. die. <laughs> <laughs> Like what? Like five-year-old is like. Are you exposing this game to where their pets are dying and they're starving them to death, and things like that? So we're we're less mean in our game, but uh, Plus, pets, pets don't like, die; they only become sad. Yeah. Yeah. No, you need to implement this
2: feature. Where <laughs> pets don't die. you have to teach yeah. them life lessons. Yeah, keep them coming back to the game. Like Sorry, oh, I don't kid. want. Sorry, yeah.
1: sometimes when you don't have money. You die. Yeah. Yeah. So
2: like, yeah, if their subscription ever fails to pay, then just delete their pet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Revenues through the roof. <laughs> customer <laughs> engagement plummets. <laughs>
0: customer satisfaction. Yeah. Roman, <laughs> okay. uh,
1: well, thanks for coming on uh, coming on the podcast. Just leveraging friendships, you know, taking advantage of uh, friendships and yeah, yeah well, this has been great guys C- cashing in on favors, you know, before I leave <laughs> but no I think it was an awesome interview I think that um, personally I learned a lot I mean I always learn a lot when I when we actually sit down and have you know long extensive philosophical conversations be it business or anything else in terms of life and uh, I think anybody else listening to the podcast as well is going to learn a lot I think people who have established businesses will learn a lot anybody that's going to dream of starting a business will learn a lot and uh, I think at the same time they can take inspiration and see even though there's a lot of difficulties when starting a business you know they can persevere and, and uh, you made a lot of mistakes you talked about that on the podcast and that's a big part of you know, a lot of times in interviews you hear somebody sit down and be like yeah mm-hmm. we did this right we did that right and you know yeah how did you accomplish oh yeah we implemented these strategies but in reality at the time especially i think with startups they probably didn't know what the fuck they were doing yeah you know they just probably they tried a few things they had some fundamentals down and i think that's the key thing is the fundamentals so yeah thanks man thanks for coming on and expelling some red pill knowledge the different kind of (laughs) it all right <laughs> <All> it's <right. Yeah. laughs> <great>. yeah, okay <laughs> great. <laughs> great. so uh, follow us as usual follow us on twitter at redpillgen uh, if you have any questions any comments about the podcast redpillgen.com at, at redpillgen at gmail.com and then of course we've got the blog going we have again more resources more of the books that Rohan mentioned um, re- www.redpillgen.com and uh, hook us up with some reviews on iTunes, homie. Right now, we've got, like, what? Nine five-star no, five reviews yeah. and one one-star. That one-star guy, I'm coming for you, man. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we, we've tracked your IP so address. We're going to come down.
1: This is the Red Bull generation, man. We're tech-savvy, son. We've got coders, man.
2: Yeah, we, we hacked do. hacked your shit. Yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, back me up. A bit, yeah, you're, you're done. Didn't even leave, a, leave us a word review.
1: Just he, gonna give us one stars and not even give us constructive criticism.
2: Bro. <laughs> We're just like opening the door for all the haters now. <laughs> oh, we can really affect these guys. We give them one star. One star. Yeah. <laughs> Gessible, get Gessible. on this. <laughs> constructive criticism. That's what we yeah. ask. <laughs>
1: yeah the usual it's like for real though. give us some uh, summer man. we need, we need yeah, help we, us we out. should we're, we're fighting <laughs> to
2: stay on the new and noteworthy actually
1: you know what that's that's one of our successes we're on the new and noteworthy list tonight so yeah, yeah. that's pretty awesome so if you want us to stay there give us some uh, yeah we have to we're gonna start monetizing the podcast if you don't <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, flashlights <laughs> if our advice doesn't help you with you know meeting the girl of your dreams <laughs> i think we should probably have faded out the podcast much before that <laughs>